0: and boom we're back for another episode of alpha I'm Mike Winter and I'm here as always with the insouled Dr Bear Paul Lando coming to you live and direct from the great state of Jefferson here on the beautiful Azure waters of the Smith River it's the water's up we've been getting some rain uh it seems like we skipped fall and went to winter for a bit but it is warming up a little bit this weekend uh and uh just so blessed to be here in this beautiful land we call the great state of jefferson where freedom still reigns supreme and today we have a power pack show for you uh this is a guest that has been requested many many times so we're very happy to have paul on today and um no real updates on my end the platform we're very close to launching that'll be on alphavedic.com Bear Lando, any updates on your end from the farm before we have paul come on
1: no, let's get into it. Uh, we're busy moving into our newly built business center, and we'll be doing some podcasts from out there too, but uh, let's go
0: for it, Mike. Awesome. Okay. With Tico. Oh, and I want to just actually give a shout out to Sayer G. Uh, thanks for the blast this morning out to your mailing list for the show. We are very happy to be on his platform, unite.live. Please, guys, if you're on YouTube or as I call it, affectionately call it LooshTube, um, Go check out Unite.live. Uh, it's an alternative platform that Sayers put a lot of time and money into. And we're happy to be on there as a featured uh show. And then we're also on uh typically on Odyssey as well as a backup. Um, and then you looshtube and Facebook. Okay, today with Tico, Mind Virus. Yeah,
1: Mike, real quick. Yeah. Uh, you know, I haven't uh, sorry about that. I haven't talked yeah. to Sayer in a while. So let's get him back on. I'd like to have a chat with them online here.
0: Yes. Uh, Sayer is going to have me and Jason Crow do an, uh, a live stream very soon on his platform. I think in a, a couple of days, he wants to do it because of the massive fallout in crypto. And uh, and the markets are tanking, as I called, uh, and uh, and Cordell, how Cordal has such a massive role to play because is not tied to the uh, legacy system. So, we'll be doing that with uh, with uh, Sayer soon. But yes, I'd love to get Sayer on and get all his updates with everything he's been up to. Um, I'll reach out to him, Bear. Thanks for reminding me. Okay. Awesome. Wetiko, mind virus or agent of change, is a stealth contagion affecting the realm of the collective subconscious. Author and teacher Paul Levy leads us on a journey through what the Native Americans refer to as Wetiko. Has a spell been cast upon the unsuspecting masses? Does the apparent mass psychosis of an alleged sentient species suggest a stealth contagion, both insidious and pernicious? the concept is not new and native americans went so far as to coin the term wetiko to acknowledge the phenomenon Quote, retiko is a cannibalizing force driven by insatiable greed appetite without satisfaction consumption as an end in itself and war for its own sake against other tribes species and nature and even against the individual's own humanity Paul Levy has thoroughly dissected this issue with his two groundbreaking works, Watiko Healing the Mind Virus that Plagues Our World, and Dispelling Watiko, Breaking the Curse of Evil. On this episode, Paul guides us on a journey of freedom through the portal of awareness. Paul attended State University of New York at Binghamton. Wow, SUNY. That's right. I was going to bring that up. Uh, My mom's from Binghamton. I grew up, uh, Paul, in summers in Binghamton and uh, know that very well. While an undergraduate, he was hired by Princeton University to do research in economics. When he graduated college, he stopped his studies in economics and pursued his career in art, moving out to the Bay Area where he was both making and teaching art. Quote, it is a disease of the soul and being a disease of the soul, we all potentially have Watiko, as it pervades and informs the underlying field of consciousness. Uh, common to many trailblazers of the spirit Paul had a life-changing spiritual awakening following an intense personal trauma in which he began to recognize the dreamlike nature of reality in 1993 after many years of struggling to contain and integrate his non-ordinary experiences Paul started to openly share his insights on how life is shared waking <clears throat> life is a shared waking dream that we all are co-creating and co-dreaming together amen to that uh, Witiko induces in us a uh, proclivity to see the source of our own pathology outside of ourselves existing in the other Witiko feeds off of polarization and fear and terror of quote the other as a tibetan buddhist practitioner for over 30 years he has intimately studied with some of the greatest spiritual masters of tibet and burma and served as the coordinator of the portland chamber of the padma samhava buddhist center for other uh, for over 20 years Paul is the founder of The Awakening in the Dream Community in Portland, Oregon. Paul is a very busy guy. Uh, Let's get right to it, Bear. This is going to be a fun one, uh, a topic that we love to cover in pretty much every episode.
1: (laughs) We do. Absolutely. In one way or the other. Uh, Paul, thanks so much for making time for us. And I didn't realize uh, we live so close to each other up here in the Pacific Northwest, so uh, we've got to get together sometime. Um, but but thank you, and I'm really looking forward to this chat because i I appreciate your work greatly in that there's this uh this always uh, message of uh, hope and self-determination, you know, which is our philosophy here. and we've had a lot of guests on uh where we're talking about this concept of a mind virus that uh you know some associate to a dark Lord or uh, the archons and then their dimensionals uh. And, uh, you know, uh, technological overlays and all of those, of course, have an ominous sort of uh, undertone to them and also uh, kind of pessimistic to a lot of folks. So um, I I agree with you that this is very purposeful, whatever, wherever this is coming from, we'll let you explain to you what the concept of uh, Wetiko means. Uh, in contrast to that, but I think we always have a choice here, and that's uh, the whole reason why we're playing the game. Uh, I, if we have time, I'd also like to get into the dreams. Uh, you know that I know you really cover thoroughly. Uh, you know, I've always, uh, with my clients, even tried to get them into lucid dreaming, and then of course the trick is to uh, do the lucid dreaming while we're allegedly awake. And I think in nature, it's a little easier, which is why we live where we do, because nature seems to uh, speak metaphorically with uh, less um, filters than uh, elsewhere. So Paul, please uh, take it where you'd like. If you want to uh, maybe start with a little bit of your history, um, how your awakening happened, and then we can just follow your lead here. So thanks again.
2: Yeah, totally. No, I'm just so happy to be here with you guys. And yeah, so my um how i came to my work it was really um one of a kind i think in that um you know and i i don't need to go into the whole story but there was this incredible psychological trauma that i experienced at the hands of a psychopathic father Uh, i'm the only child and it just created enormous suffering to the point where i went from being a very highly functioning person to all of a sudden not being able to live my life and um it was clear to me i had to deal with what was happening and um i went inwards i went into my own mind and assumed the position of the witness because that was the only thing that really seemed to alleviate even the slightest bit the suffering the overwhelming over-the-top suffering that i was experiencing and then you know this is in 1981 in the bay area um i was doing so much just real, you know, just meditation hours and hours a day, maybe about four hours on the average a day, and then studying and my whole life was devoted to that. I had this spontaneous awakening, I got hit by a bolt of lightning, you know, not from the sky, it ignited inside of my brain. And within the day, I began to realize, oh, my God, this is a dream. And, um, and we're all co dreaming it into materialization moment by moment, but we're not aware that we're doing that. And I was so ecstatic um, that uh, it got me in deep trouble right away. I got you know, pathologized, because from you know the normal point of view, it was like I had this radical personality change um, overnight. And I immediately got thrown in mental hospitals and diagnosed, oh, you're mentally ill and you're manic depressive. And you know, the chemical imbalance theory had just been supposedly discovered the year before. And, and I knew, I mean, it was super clear to me that I wasn't mentally ill, that I was having a spiritual awakening. Um, But during that next almost two years, I was just a free agent. So I wasn't, you know, in a monastery or an ashram. And a handful of other times I got thrown in mental hospitals and diagnosed and medicated. And, you know, at the time I was really, I was really pissed at myself for wow, I really, I really screwed this up. But over time i began to realize no that was part of the awakening that was sort of like my descent into the, into the shamanic underworld of the unconscious and so you know i quickly extricated myself from psychiatry and you know got off the of medication really quick and continued my awakening and met my teachers but then i was doubly traumatized from not only the abuse from my father but then from the unbelievable abuse from psychiatry and and I began to realize that the same, it was like my father had become taken over by some sort of higher dimensional, transpersonal, dark energy that was using him as his instrument and, you know, to get into me. And then I began to recognize, wait, that same dark sort of evil energy that had taken over my father was informing and giving shape to the system of psychiatry. And then I began to realize, wait a second, like iterations of a fractal, that same deeper, darker, evil seeming um, sort of energy was playing out through the greater body politic of our species all over the planet. That's when I began to to realize, wait a second, there's something that whose source is within the human psyche that was informing sort of the non-local field in such a way to act itself out in this destructive way that was like actually the inspiration for, for evil and was creating this collective psychosis. And what I was beginning to realize, I didn't have the name for it then, but that's what the Native Americans call Huatico. It's a mind virus. It's a collective psychosis whose source is within us, whose source is within the psyche to the extent that any of us fall asleep and act out our unconscious at any moment, we all potentially have it. And but then I began, you know, really going down that rabbit hole, trying to understand what what I had discovered. And, and I realized, oh, my God, I'm just, you know, translating what every spiritual tradition has been pointing at. And, um, and, and then I began, I really connected with quantum physics. and And I began to and I wrote a book about that. But I began to realize, that the revelations that are emerging from quantum physics are the actual medicine for the mind virus. And I could go on, I mean, it's my life's work, but basically what Watiko does in essence, so in the apocryphal text, they they talk about Watiko, they call it the counterfeiting spirit. But of course that got edited out of the, of the canon of the Bible because Watiko was on the editorial board. And, but it describes this counterfeiting spirit And it's a word-for-word description of Watiko. It puts us on, it's a master impersonator. It will imitate us, but in this, this limited version of ourselves, oh, I'm traumatized, I'm wounded, you know, I'm a victim of abuse. And if we're not awake at that moment and we identify with its image and version of ourselves then it has us then it can manipulate us and control us but if we are in touch with our true nature with who we actually are it has no power over us at all and it actually doesn't even exist that's the that's the mindfuck there is no such thing as watiko and yet it can destroy our species so what i'm describing if you think about it so watiko you see it can't steal our soul but it tricks us into giving our soul away and then we give our, our self away, we identify with who we're not, and we disconnect from our creative agency. That's a recipe for madness. That's Watiko, because Watiko has no creativity at all. It just impersonates us, but it plugs into our creativity and turns it against us. And that's why for us to connect with our creativity, because that's that's our nature. When we say, Oh, we have to, you know, to have this realization of ourself. Well, what does that mean? Our true nature is by its very nature, creative. And when we have the realization of who we are, we then become creative. We express ourselves creatively. And the more we express ourselves creatively, the more we know our nature in a positive feedback loop that creates light upon light. That's why the medicine for Watiko is to connect with our creative spirit. So I'll stop there, but I can go on for, for hours about this.
1: No, that's great. So just a quick comment. So the, the real anecdote, of course, is awareness. And uh, <clears throat> as far as a lot of the information is circulating now, I think it's um, positive. Uh, but no matter what the source of this, whatever you attribute it to, it's still external and has no power unless we give it power. And I think that's what I hear you saying. It's not
2: even external because external is investigate <laughs> with the reality. There is no such <laughs> thing. you know so if people hear there's a mind virus and oh, they, they'll be scared, no, no, no. There, there is no external objective mind virus at all. and it actually, you know, the, you know, from one point of view, the mind virus feeds off of our fear. And the idea being is that you have the realization, no, when I'm in touch with my nature, you see, the the way to really, um, you know, to whatever, um, engage with the evil in the world is not to fight it because then we're unwittingly feeding it. The way to fight the evil that's playing out in the world is to get in touch with the part of us that's invulnerable to its effects. That's our true nature. And when you connect with that, then the idea that this mind virus or evil can have any influence on us that just vaporizes because we're into you see we have this unimaginably vast creative power we all do 24 7 but we don't know we have it and because we're unconscious of it it then gets enacted unconsciously in a destructive way and you know that's getting played out writ large on the global scale and, um, you know, one very simple way of understanding that, say, if somebody came to my office with a dream and the dream they had was what's happening in the world, that these seemingly fascist totalitarian forces are taking over and, you know, and, and taking away our freedoms and man, you know, imposing mandates and passport, you know, all the stuff that's happening in the world. And they would, you know, say to me, well, I had this dream, help me interpret it. And, and I would just, you know, I would try to reflect back to them. Well, clearly that dream is an expression that you're not in touch with your power. And you've outsourced your power. And the powers that be are more than happy to pick it up and turn it against you. And so what the dream is showing that that fictitious person or all of us, because we're the dreamers, is that, yeah, we this is reflecting. You see, Watiko is this revelation. It's a living revelation. It's showing us something. That we, incredible, that we need to know. And what it's showing us is that, yeah, Watiko is a dreamed-up phenomena. It is expressing that we are not in touch with our nature, with our intrinsic creative agency and power. And to the extent that we're not, we're going to dream up a world in which we're colluding and destroying ourselves. You see, that's the key thing, to have the realization that, you know, there's no, like, evil force out there that can do anything to us without us being complicit in it. That's the place where we need to like bring awareness to, to realize in our day to day lives, how are we colluding, you know, with our own sort of being victimized and um, there's no one else doing that to us. We're doing that. And this involves really fully accepting responsibility.
1: Brilliant. Um, one quick question. Uh, could you elaborate just a little bit more about the role of what we perceive as trauma? as far as yeah. a stimulus yeah. to sure. breakthrough, because I think we're totally. uh, experiencing a collective trauma right now, yeah. and, and yeah. therefore a collective awakening. So yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: uh, totally. And I've been I feel like I'm a world expert on trauma, because I've been like screaming <laughs> for years, how like deeply traumatized I've been from what I've gone through with my family and with psychiatry and, and just being in the world. Because yeah, we as a species are suffering from a form of collective trauma. Now, trauma is watiko you know trauma having addictions they're all sort of synonyms for watiko and I'll, I'll i'll explain how so what happens in trauma say there's a historical event that's overwhelming we can't integrate it in a normal way we can't symbolize it so we split we disassociate now that split off part of the psyche it can develop a seeming autonomy on its own and a seeming independence And in psychology speak, it's called an autonomous complex. The indigenous people would call that a demon, right? Okay, and now when we're in trauma, so then there's an overwhelming event, we split off, the way we try to heal from the trauma actually creates the very trauma we're trying to heal from in a self-reinforcing feedback loop and whose origin is within our own minds. And, um, you know, that's the compulsion to repeat. So in other words, to the extent that I'm in trauma, I'm going to unconsciously dream up scenarios in my life to reenact the very trauma. So the thing about Watiko and the thing about trauma, they're quantum phenomena. And what I mean by quantum phenomena, just like what is the nature of light? Well, it's a wave or a particle, depending on how it's observed. In in a superposition of states, encoded within Watika, within trauma, trauma is a pathology in which it's just like a black hole that consumes our energy, in which we're destroying ourselves. And yet hidden within, encoded within the acting out of trauma, we're at is the solution. We're trying to consciously re-experience something. We're trying to discharge something that's locked up and feeding the compulsion to re-traumatize ourselves. So that that's the quantum nature of trauma that it's both the it's both the pathology and the vaccine and the medicine encoded in in the superposition of states. That's just like Guatika. Guatico is the source of the greatest evil. It's the inspiration for the collective madness. And if we don't come to terms with what it's showing us, it will kill us. And yet it is the, the most, the greatest medicine we could ever imagine. It's actually helping us to awaken. It's the greatest catalyst for the evolution of our species that there's ever that we've ever known. But if we don't recognize what it's revealing to us, it will kill us. That's why the am continually trying to point out the importance of having the recognition that what's happening in our world is a revelation, that Watiko, this mind virus, is a revelation. And when we actually take on board inside of our minds what it's revealing to us, it will connect us with this, this infinite creative spirit that is our nature. You know? And then when we connect with other people who are also having the realization of the the of the nature of our situation, that we're having a collective dream, and that this waking dream is manifesting the way it is because we're dreaming it to, to manifest that way, because we're unconscious of who we are and of our creative agency. When we connect with other people who realize that we can change the dream. That's the waking dream. That's what this is about. We can consciously participate in our evolution. That's what all of this is about. And the way to understand this is through the imagination. If you imagine being in a night dream and you're in a night dream and then you have this lucid dream and you, you have this lucidity and you connect with other dream characters, parts of yourself who are also lucid and you hang out together and you trip out on what are we realizing? We're realizing that this universe we're in, we it's a function of our collective dreaming. And what you discover I imagine, is that you can get in phase with each other and get in sync with each other and change the dream. And that's the the example is a night dream, but that's what's available to us in the waking dream. That's what all of this is about. And that's what my whole work is about.
1: So it's up to us to basically imagine a new reality together. Um, Can you maybe just go a little deeper as far as how a practice of lucid dreaming would Facilitate that sort of um, uh, insight that yeah, can carry yeah, over to our sure. so-called waking self. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I want to bring in because the final chapter in my quantum physics book is about becoming, you know, having having these lucid dreams and you know the profundity of of, of that idea and that experience of of being able to lucidly dream. So I want to just springboard by starting to talk about quantum physics, because quantum physics is, you know, is widely considered the greatest discovery ever in all of history in the realm of science. There's no debate about that, but it's very controversial about what does it mean? So here, quantum physics came along into our world and into our minds beginning 1900s. And it basically empirically proved that the universe, that the pre-quantum physicists, the classical Newtonian physicists were studying, i.e. an objective world didn't exist. There was no such thing as an objective world in the sense that quantum physics in essence discovered that the act of observing the world actually influenced the world observed. It was one quantum system with no separate parts interacting. But in other words, that the act of observation is creative we're not just passively observing this universe we are at the at the same moment we are creating it while we're being created by it you know and um that that's the realization that quantum physics is offering us and when you discover that there's nothing objective out there separate from you that your act of observing it is actually influencing the universe observed Then, what you discover, wait, if there's nothing objective, then what happens to the subject? Who am I? I, as a subject, need an object to be a subject in relationship to in order to to be a subject. But if there's no object, then who am I? See, quantum physics is promoting itself to become a spiritual path. So, the idea is just like in a night dream, we can recognize the nature of our situation i.e. that we're dreaming, and then we're just not passively observing and being, you know, in the victimized state by what's happening and being conditioned by it. No, we're actually in touch with the empowered part of ourselves that's actually co-creators of our experience. We are, you see, quantum physics has shown again and again that we are creating our experience moment by moment. Of ourselves and of the world there's no one doing that to us we're doing that by the way we interpret what's happening to us and place meaning on it we are actually creating our experience and so to have that realization is like oh that you know when i have a lucid dream at night and you know which i've been having for for decades well this is the dream that like you were saying in your intro this is the dream we can we can actually have lucidity and become lucid in and connect with other people who are also connecting with with their lucid true nature and like i'm saying we can connect with each other you know as these lucid dreamers and create this non-local field that can actually attract other people who are open into the lucid dream that we're having, in which we're all in service to the whole. Because when you realize this is the lucid dream, what happens? You snap out of the identification of the imagination of thinking you exist as a separate self. And you realize, oh my God, we're interdependent. We're interconnected. We're all parts of each other. And the energetic expression of that is compassion. And that compassion, that's that's the Watiko dissolver par
1: excellence. So, um, quantum physics to me seems simply, uh, going full circle back to what we used to know. Uh, you know, you have the aboriginals in Australia that talked about the dream time and, you know, really considered what we consider waking as the dream. Uh, we have the alchemist who understood all these principles through hermetic science. And, uh, now we're doing different, uh uh terminologies as far as waveform mechanics and and so forth, which I think is great, but it it's apparent that we go through cycles, we're cycling back. So what do you see uh as far as this new cycle that we're opening yeah, yeah, into? Yeah. Uh where sure. are we going with this now?
2: Sure. Well I mean I just want to say what you're saying is so right on in that, you know, what the quantum physicists, what the alchemists, what the indigenous people, it's exactly what the Buddha realized you know it's it's the buddha nature it's it's what christ was bringing forth and um you know in essence you see there's no time to waste because we are in we are unconsciously you know uh sort of creating collective suicide and we're destroying the biosphere of the life support system of the planet. And in essence, what I'm pointing at, and you know, and I'm just a translator, I'm not the only person saying this, I'm just translating what every wisdom tradition has been saying. What I'm pointing at is that we as a species have fallen under a spell, we have hypnotized ourselves. And if I can give an example, um, that might shed light on on what exactly I mean. And, you know, to invoke, the imagination, again, to step into a dream, imagine being in a night dream, and imagine you're holding a viewpoint in the night dream, okay? And what is a dream? A dream is is a reflection of the mind, okay? So as soon as I hold a viewpoint in the night dream, the night dream has no choice but to spontaneously, instantaneously reflect back the very perspective I'm holding, because the dream is nothing other than a projection of the mind, So, if I'm holding that viewpoint, now I have evidence. I have evidence because of the way the dream is manifesting, confirming to me the seeming objective truth of that viewpoint. So, I become even more fixed in my viewpoint. And the more fixed in my viewpoint I become, the more the dream just instantaneously gives me evidence confirming the objective truth of my viewpoint ad infinitum. It's a self reinforcing feedback loop whose origin is my own mind. And so what, what am I describing? I've actually enchanted myself, put myself under a, a trance. I've you know, hypnotized myself via my own creative genius and how I create reality. But I've done it in a way that's killing me, that's creating a cocoon, that's suffocating me. And that's the nature of our situation. That's what's actually being revealed to us. And I'm pointing at where at the time in history where there's this you know we're being sort of invited to to really um shed light on you know this process on our creative genius because in a sense we we are these geniuses we're these creative geniuses i mean that's what christ was saying in the bible ye are gods you know this is what he's pointing at and, um, and in the Bible, by the way, they talk about and in Gnosticism, they talk about it, this mysterious mind blindness, and that we have eyes, but we don't see and they correlate not seeing to a closed heart, you know, and I mean, it's describing what he go every like the Hawaiian kahuna describes it, Islam describes it, Buddhism, Christianity, and and here comes quantum physics. Now I point out that quantum physics you see I'm a Tibetan Buddhist practitioner and in, in the in the the actual tradition that I do practice to the particular sort of this lineage it's it's actually inspired by um, what's called terma and terma um translates as the hidden treasures so in other words the idea being that there are these hidden treasures that are encoded in the multidimensional fabric of our universe, in the earth and, you know, in the sky and water, in our minds, that right at the exact moment they're needed, these hidden treasures, which could be in the form of a blessed object or a teaching or a prayer or an insight, will all of a sudden be discovered by the person who's destined to discover them, not a moment before, not by somebody else, right at the moment that they're needed to keep the lineage fresh, you know, in case the community of practitioners gets one sided, and they get sort of stale in their practice, all of a sudden, these terma, which are a group dreaming process, the community dreams up the terma at exactly the right moment to manifest in their waking dream, to help them to reconnect, it's exactly like having a dream. And if the dreamer becomes sort of one-sided, what happens? The unconscious compensates and sends them a symbol. Now remember, quantum physics is a symbolic procedure. Symbols are the language of dreaming. Okay. So the why I'm talking about terma is that I point out in my work that quantum physics is, you know, I don't want to sort of do appropriate, you know, appropriation to, to Tibetan Buddhism, but. I'm pointing out that quantum physics is a modern day analog to a terma, that we have dreamed up quantum physics It's not an accident that we've dreamed it up right at the same time that art was going from, you know, just sort of like kind of trying to reproduce the visual world to actually being non objective to all of a sudden when psychology was you know discovering the infinite world of the unconscious that's informing our world right at that moment that quantum physics was was discovering um you know what that quantum physics was coming into the world and into our minds and showing us our incredible you know creative power that it's a terma it's a modern day analog to a terma and the thing about a terma is when it's brought into the world typically there are obscuring forces that try to stop it it's very much related to individually when any of us get closer to the light of our nature there are typically these sort of negative forces that try to stop it resistance or whatever and instead of that being a mistake no that's showing that you're on the right path and and you know i've learned that i have every day when i write with my in my work, I feel this incredible sort of, you know, negative forces trying to stop me and I've learned, oh, that's the best news ever that's showing me I'm on the right path instead, instead of getting filled with despair. So when a terma actually is brought into this world, there's typically obscuring forces, you know, that are trying to, you know, to obscure it to keep it down, you know, and that's very much like with quantum physics, the typical classical physicists are just, you know, they're they're like, no, 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 you know, that's crazy. We can't talk about um consciousness. But but quantum physics is basically discovered that this is a collective dream. That's the essence of quantum physics. That you know, the whole controversy, what does it mean? That's what it means. And that's that's what my book is pointing out. And the other part about the terma, the hidden treasure, is that when somebody discovers it. And I'm not any sort of person who's I'm just like a translator saying, hey, look, other people have discovered this hidden treasure that is unbelievably, you know, this gift to all of humanity. When somebody discovers it, typically they have to do the practice of whatever the terma is offering until they actually have the realization. And then they're able to transmit it to the world, to other people, because termas, hidden treasures are meant to be shared. Okay. And what I'm pointing out is that, you know, uh, whether it's quantum physics or there are a lot of other, you know, articulations of the same realization, like you've been saying, this is the medicine, this is the vaccine that encoded in the evil, in the madness that's playing out. It's actually helping us to wake up. It's catalyzing us into lucidity. But it's a participatory medicine, just like quantum physics is saying, this is a world that's participatory. It's not just separate. It's not external. It's not a passive thing we watch. No, we're actually participating in the evocation and the creation of the world that we have to take within ourselves what quantum physics or these other wisdom traditions are revealing to us. And then we actually become empowered agents who can actually transmit what, we, what we're realizing to others. And, and then that realization goes viral, you know, and can inflame uh, like an undreamed of, up until this moment, global awakening.
1: And these uh, analog metaphors that keep recycling, you know, they they also have to be, of course, be culturally relevant. And and provide a, a transition out of the dream, uh, you know, within the context that we're presently operating. For instance, we have been brought into this reductionist kind of science and really believers uh, in those concepts. So, waveform mechanics and uh, quantum physics, or or however you want to do it, is going to be more appealing metaphorically than just maybe the Native uh, Americans that say. Uh, well, this is what's going on because uh, a certain animal just crossed your path and and they can just sort of see it within the context of nature. Uh, we pride ourselves, I think, in being technological. So right. that's, uh, you know, what's relevant to us now. So what would, um, you know, you have an interesting background. You have Buddhism, you have uh, Carl Jung, you have, uh, you know, kind of uh a, a, a interesting um, mix yeah. of um, background that you have. So how would you drive the two? What would Carl Jung say about all of this?
2: Well, what Carl Jung and and I want to just point out, I mean, if I didn't find his work, I don't, I wouldn't have made it he saved my life. Because when I was having mm-hmm. these out of the ordinary experiences, then I came across his work in you know, a synchronicity led me to him. and And I realized, Oh, my God, he's articulating the same, you know, thing that I had, you know, um, I was experiencing, but didn't have a context for. Now, the thing with Jung, he was very much into um, quantum physics. I mean, you know, his idea of synchronicity was the psychological analog, you know, to quantum physics. And and he actually collaborated with um, the Wolfgang Pauli, the the Nobel Prize winning physicist, in articulating his notion of synchronicity. Because what is synchronicity? But it's it's you know we're an inner state all of a sudden gets expressed through the outer world as if there's a correlation between the inner and the outer. And that's what a dream is. When it when you're in a dream, you you realize the inner is nothing other than an unmeted, unmediated expression of that the outer and the inner are reflecting each other. They're expressing each other. They're not separate. So he would, you know, he would totally be on board with with everything I'm saying and I I you know, I'm just continually bringing in young in my books and you know, paying all this money for the intellectual rights, but I don't care because he was so switched on to this, and he was a modern day alchemist and a gnostic. And he, you know, if people don't study young, I mean, please, if you get anything from this interview or from my work, to really study young. He, he was one of the, the, the greatest geniuses um, in, my, in my mind, at least in my imagination of all time. And he was tracking Watiko. And I point out in my work, he didn't have the name Watiko. He called it by a number of different names, but he was sensing this non-local evil and um, that exists within the psyche that informs collective events. And he called it totalitarian psychosis. Now, I just want to take a step back. What see one of the things that's so amazing about this mind virus—it's an inner disease of the soul that actually explicates itself through the medium of the outside world synchronistically, right? So when anyone is afflicted by it, and we all potentially have it at each and every moment, to think, "Oh, they have whatiko and I don't," that's a perspective that feeds whatiko, but to actually um, have the recognition that it's an inner disease of the soul that you actually can track as it's reflecting and expressing itself via the outside world. Just think about what that means for a second. So if we have this totalitarian psychosis, Watiko, it colonizes our mind. It sets up a shadow government in our psyche. It dictates to the ego it subsumes all of the healthy parts of the psyche into serving its nefarious agenda. What I'm describing, that is what and how it plays out where then we actually become taken over by the Watiko virus, and it's doing it through our blind spots because it's a form of blindness. You see, that's the key thing. Watiko is a form of blindness that thinks it's sighted. And not only does it think it's sighted, it's, it thinks it's more sighted than people who actually see. So that's the affliction, the mental affliction that is, you know, really um, current in our day is our species has fallen into a form of mind blindness, okay? Now, getting back to that totalitarian, totalitarian psychosis, it takes over the psyche. The person who's afflicted literally becomes uh, taken over. They become possessed. They're oblivious to that. They become an instrument for what to incarnate in our world. Well, what I'm describing in an individual, that process, that microcosmic process that happens in an individual psyche is getting is playing out through the greater body politic of the world. Think about what's happening. Totalitarian forces are creeping all over the planet. They're trying to centralize power and control. They're they're taking away our freedoms, but it's a hybrid form of totalitarianism, just like a virus mutates. Okay. And um, now the thing about Watiko, it's like a virus that mutates, but it's forcing us to mutate. In other words, it's forcing us to evolve, or it'll kill us. But that inner disease of Watiko, the, the totalitarian psychosis, is actually getting played out and reflecting back to us what's happening in our world, and through the fascist forces that are taking over, through the whole like propaganda and mind control and brainwashing that's happening. And that's why I'm saying when you see that and you recognize that's reflecting how Watiko works within our psyches, that's when you begin to recognize the dreamlike nature. Because the dreamlike nature, what that means is you recognize exactly like a dream that the inner and outer are reflections of each other, that we are living within our psyche. Our psyche doesn't exist inside of our skull. No, we are living inside of our minds. That's to become that's to have lucidity. And that's to become a lucid dreamer in our life. And when you connect with other people who are realizing that you can actually it's what I call conspire to co inspire. That's a true conspiracy theory, you can dream each other awake, you can activate the collective genius where the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And that's where we can actually intervene in the dreaming and make a difference in this collective madness in a way that's actually going to heal us
0: yeah it's interesting what we're really talking about here is the science of thought right and how this collective dream which is an individualization of our own subconscious and our own past lives and all of the repercussions of every thought we've ever made and when because we live in this material time where we're just looking at the externalization of the end effect of these thoughts we get lost in the mi- in the mire of the Maya instead of realizing we are the powerful source of the literal thing that's enslaving us. And so when we can go back to that, then in understanding how we generate those thoughts to begin with and getting out of the victimhood and getting into, which is what the idea of like war against the evil is, instead of understanding it's just about healing. It's about grace. It's right about forgiving, forgiving each other. Then I believe that's where the true alchemy of the heart plays in Paul um do you agree that we are sort of uh are you a positive are you an optimist about seeing that people are waking up to this and are starting to understand the true nature of thought and how our spirituality plays into that related to the science of the day even showing that uh through the quantum realm
2: what you're saying I I just 100 I I totally agree with like particularly you were saying about the power of thoughts the power of our mind. I mean, that's what quantum physics is pointing at, is that they quantum physics is saying this universe is like one big idea, one big thought. It's not separate from consciousness at all. And you know, in Tibetan Buddhism, for example, they have there's you know the sayings of the Buddha, and in in this, in this book, they say the very first thing they 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 reference, the Buddha says we create this universe with our thoughts. Okay, so it's exactly what you're saying. And then to answer your question, you know, about do I feel hopeful? Um, well, I point out, you know, that by the power of our mind, if you see, we have overwhelming evidence of the how horrible things are, and you know, we're doomed, and we're destroying ourselves, and the evil, and so many people are filled with despair and depression and pessimism. And I point out that if you get caught by that then you're part of the problem, because then by the power of dreaming, you're going to create more evidence confirming your pessimism. And, um, but I, I point out that if you're overly optimistic, thinking, oh, well, you know, God will save us or whatever. No, that's also be off balance, because we actually have the power. Yeah, we depend on, you know, higher intelligence, but we actually have the power within us to get into alignment and to connect with that creative source of that higher intelligence and then i bring in quantum physics now and i think this will be really hopefully inspiring because quantum physics was trying to discover and and how come i keep on talking about quantum physics it's the medicine for watiko and it unlocks think about quantum physics unlocked you know the power of the atom that's a pale reflection of the power of the psyche that because the true ramifications of quantum physics are going to be found within our mind it's going to change the way we think that's what all the founding fathers were were realizing and so quantum physics was it was trying to understand what is the microstructure of this universe what is, what is what are the building blocks that this physical world is made out of and then as it kept on going down into smaller scales it found it didn't find anything physical it just found consciousness, and it found these things called elementary particles. Those are the most you know, the real, um, you know, you can't get any smaller than that. And they they discovered that these elementary particles existed in a state of potentiality, where each and every possible state they could ever exist in, they existed in this state of potentiality, up until the moment that we observe them. And then we observe this elementary particle, and it actualizes into a particular manifestation, all the other potentialities, they vaporize into like parallel worlds as if they never existed. And that moment is happening, that experience is happening each and every moment. But what that means is that even if something is, and this is a quote of a quantum physicist, one of the founding fathers, highly ridiculously unlikely, it could still manifest this very next moment. So to bring it back to more empirical nature, the, the fact that our species could reach a critical point, like the 100th monkey phenomena, and we could actually awaken and avert the impending catastrophe that we actually are creating, because the blindness of Watico, it's a self-induced blindness. We are closing our own eyes. That's why you know the idea I'm trying to point out, all we have to do to see is open our eyes and look. That's the solution. You know, but to the extent we turn away and we turn a blind eye, not only are we feeding Watiko, that is Watiko. So the point is, even something as improbable, seemingly on the surface, uh, as our species awakening, that actually, according to quantum physics, is completely and totally within the realm of possibility. And if we're not imagining that, then we're hooked by Watiko. And then what in the world are we thinking? Then we're part of the problem not the solution.
1: So quantumly speaking, are you uh, suggesting that maybe these uh, are on these uh, uh, subparticle levels like seeds waiting to be activated by the perceivers?
2: Yeah. Well, the thing, these seeds Mm -hmm. seeds waiting to be activated by the perceivers, Mm -hmm. I immediately associate when you said that to these hidden treasures, that Mm -hmm. this universe um, is filled with these hidden treasures. And think of the hidden treasures not just physically, but but psychically, spiritually. And when we have open eyes to see, like for example, if all of a sudden somebody has these experiences of this synchronistic matrix that's informing seeming, the f- seemingly physical world, and they experience it sufficiently to realize to. Open their mind to that, all of a sudden, wow, there is this thing called the synchronicity. The more they hold that viewpoint, the more of the universe will manifest synchronistically because the universe being a dream is nothing other than a reflection of their mind. Like another example, if we all of a sudden, I mean, just the idea that there's a thing called Terma and hidden treasures, and this isn't a fairy tale, I mean, the greatest scholars in the world are studying this. This is showing us something. This world, when you actually take in to your mind that there is a thing called hidden treasures, and it's a real phenomenon, and you're open to that these hidden treasures are enfolded all throughout the multidimensional fabric of the universe, and you're even open to that, well, guess what? That makes it more likely that you will encounter hidden treasures that will then just self-reinforce your point of view that that's possible. So the point is, we have become so entranced, you know, by our programming, by the mainstream, by ourselves, to think of our capability as like, almost like in the little tip of our pinky finger. And you see what I'm basically saying, the solution to the world crisis, we've already, it's already been discovered. And not only that, we have it, we possess it. And even more than that, we are it. That's what this is all about, is for us to remember, to unforget, instead of having this amnesia, to have an amnesia. It's an unforgetting, it's a remembering of who we are, that we actually are these, you know, we're interconnected with each other and we have this enormous power. We are interfacing with the creative source of the universe and we are that. And so what I'm basically saying, this is the good news of the Bible And this got me in huge trouble. When I had this realization in 1981, I was so enthusiastic and, and, you know, that word um, enthusiastic and theos means to be filled with spirit that I I freaked out. The anti-bliss patrol is what I called it, you know, like the mainstream consensus reality gatekeepers, and they couldn't have somebody so ecstatic. And they, of course, you know, they medicated me and pathologized me and all that. but what I'm basically pointing at is the good news. You know, this is the good news of the Bible. And, um, you know, and particularly when an, any individual has this realization, here's the image. In the collected works, Young uses the image of when you have like a grain of sugar, and you have a glass of water, and you just dissolve the grain of sugar in the water, and it'll dissolve, and you put another grain, it dissolves and dissolves, and then it reaches a saturation point and you put one more grain of sugar in that saturated solution and a crystal will manifest he says that's the way symbols manifest in the unconscious and any one of us having this realization whether you call it you know seeing watiko or you know taking in the revelations of quantum physics or seeing the dream or owning our shadow or waking up however you describe it it's the same idea any one of us having that realization could be the grain of of Uh, uh, you know, could be the grain of sugar that creates a global awakening in the collective unconscious of our species. And that's an incredibly helpful vision. And not only is it a vision, it's true.
1: The 100th monkey and what you just described can be actually demonstrated in a chemical lab, which is uh, nice to be able to ground it in with uh, things you can actually observe.
2: Yeah, 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 for sure. No, totally. And, um, so, you know, so there's no need for despair and, um, you know, and that's where like, I would have been in deep trouble if I didn't, cause I had my whole universe, all the psychiatrists, my family, my relatives, my friends, everybody was reflecting back to me. Well, wow, Paul, you've, you know, you're mentally ill and you're in denial of your illness. And I'm, I'm just thinking, wow, they're like really stupid. They just have no idea, you know, what they're talking about. And what stayed me was that I was having these overwhelmingly clear experiences of the dreamlike nature, that stuff was happening in my life that was physically impossible, not just synchronicities, you know, but like that w- could only happen in a dream, you know, and it was like I'd had a quantum jump, where all of a sudden I was living in the the consensus reality where certain things were possible and certain things were impossible, and all of a sudden, I had this quantum leap and I was living in a new universe where the realm of possibility had expanded to practically infinite degrees. And it was really destabilizing. You know, I didn't have any context for it, you know, but then over the course of, you know, it's been, you know, over 40 years, I'm more and more having the realization that I was having a revelation and that this is a revelation that actually is helpful for people and a lot of us are having similar revelations you know i'm just an ordinary person who's dealing with my own stuff and my own trauma i'm not any enlightened person but i'm realizing wow you know just in my creative work there's a way of 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 me and of you and of each of us creatively articulating What's going on in us? It's like what Christ was saying in the apocryphal text. If you bring forth what's within you, it'll save you. If you don't bring forth what's within you, it'll destroy you. Well, some, you know, like I would have been in deep trouble if for whatever reason, I wasn't able to access my creative voice. It's it's the medicine for me. If I don't have time on a given day to get creative, you know, I mean, I can't even imagine, but then I don't feel well, you know, and it's like, you see, because we're all these wounded healers. That's an important po- point. And a wounded healer is related to the shaman, you know? And I point out in my work, in my next book, and I have a third book coming out on Watiko, coming out in the spring because it's such a a profound, you know, like topic that the shamanic archetype is the major archetype that's activated in the collective unconscious, okay, of our species. Now think about what, what a shaman, what happens in the shamanic archetype. Somebody gets traumatized, they get wounded. Right. They split like we were talking about before. And that being state of being disassociated constellates the shamanic archetype. What, what does that mean? Well, the shaman they go in search of the of the, the part of them that's gotten traumatized, you know, and that's the shamanic journey. And and then they find the the part that's imprisoned back in, in the amber of time and trauma and they bring it back and you know. I mean, I I talk a lot about this in my next book, but the point is, is that the shaman necessarily, once once they get called to be a shaman, if they don't assent and they say, no, 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 I can't do that, that's when they fall ill. That's when they can go really crazy and even die. But if you assent to that calling, well, the same sponsor of the calling is the same sponsor that will send you everything you need to bring that calling to fruition. But it invariably involves a descent into the underworld, into the darkness, where you go through a death, birth, like rebirth experience. We as a species are going through the death, you know, sort of birth experience. And um, and then what does a shaman do? A shaman, if I'm, and I'm only a shaman in my wildest dreams. I'm just saying the shamanic archetype has been activated in me and in all of us, you know, for a long time. But um, what does a shaman do? They take on the illness of the person that they're working with or the community taking on has a double meaning it means take within themselves, you know, and also having it out with, but they take on the illness such that they fall ill themselves that's the key point. Okay, so so many of us are suffering and feeling crazy or feeling out of sorts, we are like shamans who've ingested the collective madness. The danger is to stay stuck in that and to identify with that. That's tragic. But the the shamanic archetype, what it means is that you actually somehow are able to creatively metabolize that in a way where it even more deeply connects you with the wholeness of your nature, of the self, of who you actually are. And by doing that, you found your way back to yourself in an even deeper way, in a non-local energetic way that vibration becomes available to the person you're working with to the community and to the world. And we are all shamans in training. We're all these wounded healers. And the wounded healer has to do with they have an incurable wound. I mean, I feel this incredible wound and trauma that I'm carrying 24/7, but instead of just cursing it and feeling victimized by it, I've been able to carry it in a way where it becomes the portal To my creative gifts, because then the shaman, they bring back when they come back to the world, they have these gifts that they received as a result of their initiatory ordeal. All of us are wounded healers in training, we're shamans in training, we're alchemists in training, you know, however you want, we're bodhisattvas in training. I mean, the bodhisattva, the word means a being in the process of awakening. Who among us is not a fledgling bodhisattva? You know, and the idea is, if that if I help to support, you know, someone else in their role as Bodhisattva, or shaman, or alchemist, or wounded healer, I get as much benefit as they do, because we're not separate. You see, Watiko, it's really a disease of the separate self. When we imagine that we exist separately, and then we invest our psychic energy on protecting this this separate self that we imagine we are, that doesn't even exist. And that all of a sudden our energy is getting vampirically drained because Watiko is like a vampire. But think about what we're doing. We're investing all of our life force in defending an illusion. And it, it, it's such, it's such, it's so mind-blowing. And so that's where Watiko, it's a disease of the separate self. And when you have lucidity, you see through the illusion of the separate self and you actually connect with the true self in which we're all dream characters. In each other's dreams embodied reflective aspects of each other we're not separate and out of that realization comes compassion and that's the elixir that dissolves what come.
1: Brilliant, this has been a most welcome discussion and uh, thank you so much, I know um, uh, you have uh, um, an hour for us today, I could talk to you forever. Uh, Would we like to maybe just have you tell us where we can find your work? Uh, I, for one, um, I haven't uh, read your books yet. Uh, I will be uh, very soon, though, you know, just inspired by your discussion today. So maybe tell us where we can find your work and um, any other parting words.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So if people, because this whole point that um, the way to see Watiko and dispel Watiko is to uh, awaken in the dream. That's really what it is. And if you wanna awaken in the dream, go to awakeninthedream.com. Okay, that's my website. There's a ton of articles, they're all for free. Um, yeah, you know, if you wanna buy my books, you can do that. But um, there's also a ton of interviews just like this. It's all for free. I just wanted to get this information out because it's really helpful and it's medicine for people. And um, yeah, and I just have a new book that came out, you know, in December on what you go. Then there's Dispelling Watiko that came out in 2013, that's selling more and more and more every month. You know, it's been out almost 10 years. Then there's the, the, the Quantum book, and my new book will be out in May on Watiko, the third of a trilogy. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. And um, as far as parting words, you know, just the sense of, um, you know, there's no need at all. I mean, it's actually indulgent to get pessimistic you know there's i think a friend saying um this is this is no time to get pessimistic i'll save that for better times and um you know <laughs> so and, true yeah yeah no totally and and the idea being um that this realization that i'm pointing out about seeing the dreamlike nature seeing through the separate self connecting with our creativity it's contagious it can go viral you know and, you know, we can turn each other onto it, but not in a way of convincing each other, but 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 just by being it, by embodying it. You know, like in alchemy, they talk about finding the philosopher's stone and they make the point, oh, the alchemist, the true alchemist becomes this living philosophical stone. In the same way, a true follower of Christ becomes Christ or a true follower of Buddha becomes Buddha. It's that same idea that we need to embody that state of just being in the moment, you know just being an embodiment as much as we're able of love and compassion of forgiveness you know and of being awake and and then we're actually transmitting to the universe so yeah and i just want to thank you guys so much for the invitation to to share my work
0: thanks so much paul uh it's been such a blessing to have you everyone go to awakening the dream awakeinthedream.com. no no no, no
2: not, not awake in the dream uh, uh, uh. Awaken, awaken. Yeah, it's in,
0: in Awaken in, in the Dream. It's in the show right. notes below. The link's yeah, yeah. in the show notes below. So guys, just go click the link, go buy his books, go support him monetarily. That is a very important in this day and age, Paul, that we support each other monetarily. So go support because you put your effort out and um that's a way for us to support you through our efforts that's the power of money so go support paul uh thanks so much paul for being on with us today man we'd love to have you come back maybe after your next book drops have you come back on the show next year uh we'll set that up and um yeah man just keep the connection going you're not that far from us as bear said so uh when we're up in your neck of the woods maybe we can look you up and have a cup of joe if you're in yeah that. yeah no
2: i would love that i would definitely love that to hang
0: out so thank you so much Thanks, Paul. Have a beautiful day. Okay. Cheers. You Thank you, Paul. Okay. Hey, and everybody, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Uh, we love you. And as always, please smash the thumbs up, share with your friends and family. It really helps get the uh, the content out there. And next week, I believe we have Jason Brashears coming back on, Bear, if I'm correct. So you guys, we're going to be doing, yes, we have Archaics coming back on. We get your questions ready. It's going to be an open Q&A for Jason, who has really been, rocking people's minds of late. So we'll see you next Thursday at a normal time, 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. Remember to get outside, get your feet in the dirt, go plant something, go for a, a hike. Ideally barefoot if you can. Mother Nature's our best teacher. She keeps us grounded. Show her some love. And we'll see you next time. Love you guys. And remember, join us on Telegram, t.me forward slash alphabetic. You can find everything at a l f a v e d i c A-L-F-A-V-E-D-I-C.com. Go get yourself some teas. Love you. See you next week. Bye-bye.